illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, how in the heck are you doing? Doing well, Billy. Sitting here, got some people, you know, at the Airbnb tonight. Oh, cool. So, yeah. How many nights are they staying? Uh, just two nights. Oh, cool. So, been busy this month. I think I've had like 70% occupancy. That's pretty good. That's not bad. You know, considering I don't want, you know, I, I don't want it or need it filled every night. No. So, but uh, no, it's been, been doing okay. Can't good. complain. So anyway, anything exciting on your end of the of the uh, of the state? Well, I'm not that far from you, only about 45 minutes, but not really. Well, it made it sound it made it sound like we're further away though. See, people yeah. think, wow, look, they're all over the all over the area. Yeah, no, everything down here is same old, same old. Nothing burned up. Not around us, no. I kind of want to drive out to the coast, see what happened to Otis. What happened to Otis? Otis got burned up. Otis, my man. Yeah. Got burned up. Wow. I, I didn't know that. There. Yeah, I wanted to go out there. Otis is Otis on the way to the coast, isn't it? Just like, yeah. where is Otis? It's right there before you get to Lincoln City. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's because didn't they have to evacuate the casino? Uh, No, not the casino. The, the, Otis is a little ways from the casino, but. Oh, yeah, they had the, the casino in Lincoln City. I always forget about Chinook Winds. Yeah, actually, yeah. Chinook Winds was the evacuation point. Then they mm-hmm. had to evacuate everybody from the evacuation point, from what I understand. Well, that's not good. Yep. Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to talk Beaver Sports, tailgating, and anything else we find interesting every week, and just generally have some fun. I want to let everyone know you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Beej. Just this week, I got an email. News. This is world-breaking news. I got an email. That says your podcast is now on Amazon Music. That's just awesome. And we didn't even have to do anything to get there? No, we're just there. You didn't have to give anybody like uh, Monica Lewinsky or anything like that to get nope. to get us on? Nope. nope, my knees are wow. completely clean. Because, I mean, I know you'd take a shot in the mouth if it gets you there. Well, but now, so now if you're sitting at home, you can just say, hey, Alexa, play illegal participation with the Heinrich Tailgater. Hopefully that just know. hopefully that just got a whole bunch of <laughs> Alexas going. <laughs> I can only hope. That's right? crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, anyways, I just thought that was cool. I got that email this week, so kind of out of nowhere. Anyways. Awesome. All right. Want to uh, let everyone know if you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgater at gmail dot com at HeinrichTailgater on Twitter and also the Heinrich Tailgater on Facebook. We're coming into beach. What would have been our 
well, our restarted season after the postponement and the cancellation of the non-conference games, this was supposed to be the week that started the uh, the Pac-12. Oregon State's such a tease. Yeah, pretty much. But Beach, we did get a we did get an email this week. What? Is, who is it from, and what does it say, Billy? We had an email from Dano down in Texas. Okay. And it says, gentlemen, got a new phone a couple of weeks ago and realized that I hadn't reinstalled my podcast player. And now realizing I'm three weeks behind, made a note to send an email when I got done pumping my gas because that's legal here in Texas. Okay, side note. So uh, was it the last week, I think? Maybe it was two weeks ago? Last like week and a half. Yeah, where it got real, where, when it got real uh, smoky. Smoky. I pull into Fred Meyer gas station there on 9th Street in Corvallis. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of waiting and waiting. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Where is everybody? You know, where's the this attendant? And then I look up and I see a little handwritten sign. So temporary self-service. And I was like, son of a bitch. You know, if, and if I don't I can, want people getting sick, but gas, if they can just can, decide on a whim that I can go pump my gas temporarily, why can't I do it all the freaking time? And I didn't see the price drop with the fact that there ain't nobody pouring, pumping it for me. I don't even care if that happens. I just want to pump my own gas because it's a waste of my time to wait for somebody else to sit there and do it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I just I ran about that all the time. It just pisses me off. Because, first of all, they changed it when the, the Rona hit. And so mm-hmm. we had like six weeks or two months where, oh, you could go all of a sudden pump your own gas now. And then they rescinded it because the, you know, they weren't that worried about it. But now it gets smoky so we can do it. Well, just do it all the damn time. Okay, let's continue with Dano's email. But we're creating jobs. No, that's a horrible reason to have a law. Here, continue with Daniel's email. Continuing on with the theme of prank wars mentioned in the Jackass of the Week segment is the story of the first live Longhorn mascot on campus and how he got his name. So Daniel's down in Texas. He's talking about the Texas mascot. Do you know the name of the Texas mascot, Beach? Didn't we talk about it one time? What's his name? I don't know. Longhorn Larry? <laughs> Dano continues, continues, Bevo made his first appearance at halftime during Texas's annual rivalry game against Texas A&M in 1916, which Texas won 21-7. The live mascot was treated as, good, as a good luck symbol and lived a life of luxury. Until months later, a group of A&M students broke into the stockyards and branded a giant 13-0 across the steer the score of which A&M beat Texas by a year earlier in College Station. Now, A&M... But that, that's kind of chicken shit if you got to pull it from the whole year before. A&M subsequently claimed that Texas branded the space between the numbers 13 to make a B and turned the dash into an E and added a V to spell the name Bevo, and that is how the name was born. This was disproven three years later, when at the 1920 end of the season awards banquet, due to rising costs of caretaking in the beginning of World War One, Bevo was served for dinner. As a token of goodwill, Aggies were invited, and were served the branded side of the steer, and also given the hide off the unaltered side, reading 13 to zero. Years later, another group of Aggies snuck into the Texas gymnasium and cut the original Beevil's horns off its taxidermied and mounted head, as promoted by lyrics of the Aggie War Hymn that tells its listeners to, quote, saw Varsity's horns off. This rationale was later used to try and convict Ozzy Osbourne of attempted murder due from the lyrics of Suicide Solution. (laughs) Nice, that's right. It was telling him to kill himself. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> Anyways. Get the gun. Get the gun. Shoot, 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 shoot. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, so we got a nice uh, that, email that, from That was, that from was what that's, they claimed that Ozzy was saying in the song. Yeah, backwards. Yeah. So. Yeah, because that's how we listen to stuff. Backwards, huh? I mean, that's what I do. I put stuff on my 45 and I, you know, I flip the record upside down and play it. And then that plays backwards. <laughs> Anyways. So it was good to hear from Dano again. Glad, yeah. Glad he's back listening. And now you've got a lot of different places you can listen to us, Dano. All right, Beach, you ready to get on to some uh, some Pac-12 news? I was going to say there's no Beaver Sports news. We don't talk about my favorite sport, volleyball. We we don't we don't have wrestling. 
uh, neither does Oregon. It's just it, this just sucks. Well, we've got, okay, go on. We've got a little bit of news. Um, first up, we're gonna do some Big Ten news because the Big Ten and Pac-12 football are kind of together, kind of stuck together a little bit. So the people kind of people have kind of seen where the Big Ten goes. The Pac-12 might follow. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the Big Ten uh, last week, Beach announced it will kick off its season the weekend of October 24th after the league's presidents and chancellors unanimously voted to resume competition, citing daily testing capabilities and a stronger confidence in the latest medical information, the conference announced last Wednesday. Now, each team will attempt to play eight games in eight weeks, leaving no wiggle room during the Corona's pandemic for the Big Ten championship game before the Big Ten championship game on December 19th. That date will also feature an extra cross-division game for each school with the seeded teams in each division squaring off. So, in other words, they're going to play eight games, and then there'll be the Big Ten championship game. Mm-hmm. But if you're not in the Big Ten championship game, you're still going to get a ninth game. Okay. That makes sense? Gotcha. Yep. yep. And they'll all be on, the, on that day the 19th. So the winner okay. of the East will play the winner of the West, and then everybody else will play across division two. Okay. But it'll just that'll be seeded at the end of the season. So the best play the best and maybe the worst play the worst? Possibly. I didn't I didn't look that much up. Now that that means the Big Ten will complete its season before the December twentieth selection day for the college football playoff. So okay. everything works out right, they would still be eligible to play in the playoff. Or whatever. Assuming bowl that there's in, assuming there's some other teams that are able to play. Is SEC are they playing? Uh, the SEC starts this week. Okay. So, yeah. So, football's actually been kind of boring because we've only really had the ACC and not a hell of a lot else. So, SEC starts this week. So that'll be that'll add some some bigger names and some, you know, more competitive games to the mix. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Now the the Pac-10, excuse me, the Pac-12 has been kind of pussyfooting around here about what they're going to do. What What's up with that? Well, they are not taking – no one is taking any any lead in it. I I, I just don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, let's see if there's any news as of today. I know Stanford's kind of being a pain in the butt. Stanford's a school full of pussies, or what's their issue? Well, they don't want to play. They, they they have a lot of concerns about their about their athletes, right? Okay. And Stanford's biggest issue, and this is kind of a lot of their issues with a lot of things, you know, because they've had – they're ones that have issues with certain aspects of, of the pack. And what, what, what their concern is, why are you letting athletes back on campus when nobody else can come back on? Nobody else is able to participate in any university activities, but why are athletes getting preferential treatment? I don't get it. So, well, so, well then, then let everybody on campus. Kind of what I think. It's you know, people are I mean, showing that's up. The thing. Oh, you're right. You're right. We shouldn't give them preferential treatment. Campus is open. So done. So they they they've said that they're going to uh, possibly meet on Thursday morning to make a decision regarding possibly returning to play. So. I don't know. Just they're 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 kind of being a pain in the butt. Quite frankly, the California schools are kind of a pain in the butt, which pisses me off. Is because last week, um, Oregon and hasn't Oregon Stanford State always been the hasn't Stanford always been the bitch of the Pac-12 though. I mean, like weren't they the ones that didn't want BYU to join and all that kind of stuff? Aren't they always the obnoxious ones? Uh, obnoxious, obstinate depends how you look at it. Arrogant, Stubborn. pompous. <laughs> principled depends how you look at it beach sardonic (laughs) depends how you look at it so anyways we'll we'll see um i I think we'll get a we'll get something but the problem is uh you know big 10 starts october 24th they were kind of wanting to start that here in the pack and then it was then it was looking if they missed that window what do they have left well and then it was looking like well maybe halloween on october 31st and now some people are saying well maybe november 7th and it's like how far are you gonna push you gonna get three games and call it good yeah. Yeah. So, all right, Beach. Uh, we have a little bit of Oregon State women's basketball news. 
Woo! Oregon State's Michaela Pivik has, uh, has been recognized as one of 30 finalists for the NCAA Woman of the Year Award. It was announced last Thursday. Now, the NCAA Woman of the Year Award was established in 1991 to recognize graduating female student-athletes who have exhausted their eligibility and distinguished themselves in academics, athletics, service, and leadership throughout their collegiate careers. Now, uh, selected from a record 605 school nominees, a group that was narrowed to 161 nominees by conference offices is now down to the top 30 honorees, including 10 from each of the three NCAA divisions. So Division One, Division Two, and Division Three. Okay. Uh, the Committee on Women's Athletics will choose the winner uh, later this fall. Now, Pivik. So, so she's in the top ten of Division One. Yes. Wow, that's impressive. And she really should be. If you knew everything she did, it's pretty amazing. Uh, she's the co-founder of Beavers Care, which aims to bring Oregon State student athletes together for service initiatives. She traveled to the Dominican Republic as a part of a service trip with Beavers Without Borders and has volunteered numerous hours with Impact for Life, Community Outreach Incorporated, Gravelis Women's Shelter, and the Damn Worth It campaign. She was a team captain and completed her undergraduate degree in three years, majoring in biohealth sciences. From there, she moved on to work toward a degree in biochemistry and biophysics. She has earned academic All-America honors the last two years and was tabbed as the Pac-12 Scholar Athlete of the Year after her senior year. Um, for her work on the court, she was selected as an All-American Honorable Mention by both the AP and the USBWA. She was named to the All-Pac-12 team, the Wooden Award ballot, the Cheryl Miller Award Top 10, the Naismith Trophy midseason team, and was a semifinalist for the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award. Now... She averaged 14.8 points and 9.3 rebounds during her senior season. She set Oregon State's career rebounding record, which is pretty good for a guard. She mm -hmm. finished her she finished second in the Pac-12 in rebounding and fifth in the conference in field goal percentage. And she had 14 double-doubles in 2019-2020 and is in the top 10 in Oregon State history for career points, rebounds, and assists. Wow. I just wanted pretty, to get through all that. So I think she should win. Young lady. She's uh, damn impressive. Um, I actually did. Uh, she came in and, and did a, a, a service thing at Woodstock's one time, um, bringing in underprivileged kids to do stuff and help them. We made pizzas and did a big thing and talked and that kind of stuff. She's pretty wow. pretty impressive person. So, anyways, all right, Beach. Uh, we actually also have a little bit of football news outside of the uh, Pac-10. Pac-12 uh, screwing around? Yes, this is more uh, NFL-related, but Beavers. So okay. Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson are among 14 first-year eligible candidates for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh. But joining those two Super Bowl champion quarterback and star cornerback safety on the ballot include running back Steven Jackson and wide receiver Chad Ocho Cinco, Ocho Cinco Johnson. That yep. is awesome. Now, in all, there are 130 nominees for five modern era spots. That's what they now, now, stop for a second. Uh, Stephen Jackson was quite a few years after Ocho Cinco, wasn't he? Uh, well, Ocho Cinco graduated in 2000. Chad was, or uh, Stephen graduated. His last year was 03. Oh, so they were right there. Yeah. And, you know, wide receivers can usually play Stephen a little. Jackson, but Stephen Jackson came out after uh, Simonton, right? Yeah. They, okay. uh, Jackson was a freshman, Simonton senior year. Okay. So now there's 130 nominees for five modern era spots. That's what they would be on. Um, and that roster of nominees consists of 65 offensive players, 49 defensive players, and 16 special teams players. Now, the list will be reduced to 25 semifinalists in November and to 15 finalists in January. A maximum of five modern-era players will be chosen when the selection committee meets the Saturday before the Super Bowl in Tampa, Florida. I personally don't know. Steven Jackson's a hell of a player. So is Chad Ochocinco. Are they Hall of Flame, Fame caliber players? I don't know. I would take some convincing on that. Yeah, I, you, you know, uh, uh, they're damn good players. I don't get me wrong. No, they were good. O Ocho Cinco had a lot of uh, 
flamboyance about him too. Yeah, but they they were you know, they were that, that they were very impressive. Yeah, they were very impressive. Now, yeah. had Steven Jackson had a phenomenal offensive line in front of him, would his would he probably be a lock for the Hall of Fame? Yes, but he didn't, and so his numbers are are really really good. But is it Hall of Fame worthy? I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit harder on the Hall of Fame. Yeah. No, I, there's got to be a standard. Yeah. Uh, you know, in person, I think there's some guys in the Hall of Fame that aren't that good. No, so. no. But again, okay. you know, you got to balance. You got to balance uh, talent with fame. Yeah. You true. know, a lot of famous people aren't very talented. A lot of talented people aren't very famous. Correct. Hey. Hey, hey. Billy. Yeah, beat. Uh, hey, hold on here. Hold on. That was pathetic. There we go. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. EPA is looking into new warnings for air pollution near the U of O. After posting warnings about heavy smoke exposure last week in local media, the Environmental Protection Agency realized students had already, who had already arrived at the campus for fall term were misunderstanding the warning. Warning of heavy smoke exposure brought students outdoors rather than indoors, said John Murphy, EPA communications director. We think we may use the term like Trump air or Nazi air to warn them in the future as to make sure they stay inside. This has been your update from Eugene. Oh, so true, so true. <laughs> that's good that's a good update dude. oh i try i try yeah, there you go so all right oh, what's next all right beach uh we are time to go under for the review for week number three in ncaa football after further review the runner did cross the line touchdown all right beach <laughs> i've yeah i know we can't even do pack 12 because i know <laughs> All right, Beach. So after last week, Toluca, Toluca Community College. Who was your pick? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> after last week's uh, our first round of games that we picked, you were in third place at three out of six. Mm-hmm. Kyle was in fourth place. I'm shooting fifty percent. That's not Kyle, bad. Kyle for, was in fourth bad. place. I hate you, Kyle. With four out of six, and I was in first place with six out of six. All right. So. I picked up a bunch of games for us to to pick, and I've got our things ready to go. So first up, Beach, we had Appalachian State at Marshall. And I picked one of these teams. Yeah, who'd you pick? Um, Marshall. You did. And Kyle and I took Appalachian State. And how'd I do? Marshall coach Doc Holliday and his young quarterback saw the two. Doc Holliday? Well, we will talk about that in a second. <laughs> and his young quarterback saw the two injured Appalachian State players on the ground after collision. So what did they do next? Holiday called for redshirt freshman Grant Wells to run toward the side of safety Ryan Huff's replacement. Wells scored on a 12-yard run late in the third quarter. Marshall's defense came up with a stop after stop, and the thundering herd beat the number 23 Appalachian State 17-7 to yes on Saturday. Who's your Huckleberry now? So you got the win. Kyle and I didn't. And yes, the dude's name is Doc Holiday. That's awesome. So actually, his 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 first name is John Doc Holiday, born April twenty first, nineteen fifty seven. Um, currently, the head football coach at Marshall. Now he was born and raised. Here's another thing in Hurricane, West Virginia. God, I'm loving this guy. West Virginia wasn't isn't on the coast. But Hurricane West Virginia, he was a far star football player as well as a state championship wrestler at Hurricane High School. I wonder what their mascot is. I'm looking it up. <laughs> oh, you will not guess what their what their mascot is. The Cowboys? <laughs> no. The Hurricanes? I was giving you the 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 game show where you can only say so many things. So what did okay. you say? I, I the the first one. Well, yeah, what was the first thing you said? The Cowboys. No. Who are the Cowboys? No, see, when I do that, it means oh, the Redskins. Yes, they are the Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> so 
See, when you do that, when you go, no, it's like, right, but go the other way. Yeah, the Redskins, that just kills me. Uh, <laughs> the Hurricane Redskins. Oh, my God, I don't know how to take it. And the dude's name is Doc Holliday. Uh, it was funny because I just so I, I was like, I'm going to bookmark that and I'm going to read it to Beach because I don't want to read it beforehand just so we could read about Doc Holliday. Anyways, I just thought that was funny too. So, uh, yeah, if I would have known Doc Holliday was coaching Marshall, I would have taken Marshall. Right? It's awesome. Uh, I'm catching up. There you go. Okay. I'm going to well, hit it. I'm going to hit it. Catching up, kind of. Okay. Let's okay, uh, move on here. Uh, next up was South Florida at Notre Dame. Ooh, I took Notre Dame on this one, I do believe. I Didn't we all take Notre Dame? We all did. Ian Book ran for three first-half touchdowns, and number seven Notre Dame won its 20th straight home game 52 to nothing against the South Florida Bulls on Saturday. Coach Brian Kelly's Fighting Irish led 35 to nothing at halftime, and for the second year in a row, posted a 52-point shutout for defensive coordinator Clark Lee. South Florida Bulls should be called the South Florida Bitch. Yeah. So anyways, we all got the win there. Uh, Up next, Beach, number 21, University of Central Florida at Georgia Tech. Ooh. Um, This is Willie's, Willie's school, right? No. Willie's uh, at uh, Florida Atlantic. Oh. This isn't Willie's? No, this is University of Central Florida. Okay. Um, I don't think I took them. You did take University of Central Florida. Oh, did I? So did I. Kyle oh, really? took Georgia Tech. Central Hell, Florida sophomore quarterback Dylan Gabriel threw for career-best 417 yards and four TDs, leading the Knights to a 49-21 victory over Georgia Tech in their season opener Saturday. Now, it was a rewarding performance for UCF, coming off the uncertainty of the pandemic-affected summer and a bit of a disappointing season by its standards in 2019. The Knights lost three games last season, all on the road, by a combined total of seven points. Wow. Yep. They've had a couple really good seasons. All right, Beach. You and I got the point there. Kyle did not. Up next, Florida at Georgia Southern. Um, Florida Atlantic, excuse me, at Georgia Southern. Oh, Florida Atlantic. Uh, Thinking I took Georgia Southern then. Yep. Kyle and I took Florida Atlantic, and there was no game because it was postponed because of the Rona. Damn it. Yeah, I know. So up next, Beach, Central Arkansas at Arkansas State. Ooh, Arkansas Civil War. Do they call it Civil War in Arkansas? Probably not. Hmm. Probably call it Redskins. Arkansas, <laughs> Arkansas is known for uh, chicken production, aren't they? Uh, yeah, that's where Purdue, and there's a lot of chicken grown in there. Purdue is, yeah. is uh, headquartered down there. Purdue? Purdue, P-E-R-D-U-E, Purdue Chicken. Oh, I've never heard of them. I thought it's a big Foster company. Farmers is local. Isn't there another chicken place down there? Oh, there's a bunch. If you ever see mm-hmm. Southern grown chicken on on a label of chicken, probably came out mm-hmm. of Arkansas. Okay. Who'd you take? Um, it doesn't a- matter who you took because the game wasn't played. <laughs> Sorry, that was my that was my uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson right there. Uh, it doesn't matter. So uh, we all took I thought, Arkansas. I thought, was from, I thought it was from the movie Meatballs. It just doesn't well, that's matter. Different. That was different. It just that's doesn't what? Matter. Different? Okay. It's the same thing, but different. Anyways, so it doesn't matter because we all took state and the game wasn't played. So last up, Beej, Miami at Louisville. Are you setting me up on this one too? I don't set you up at all. You took did you take game, who you take. Did, did this game happen? Yes, it did. Louisville. That's correct. And Kyle and I took Miami. Quarterback Derek King threw three touchdown passes, and number 17 Miami used big plays to beat number 18 Louisville 47-34 on Saturday night in the Atlantic Close Conference opener for both teams. Now, King threw a 75-yard touchdown pass to Jalen Knighton in the third quarter, a series after Cameron Harris ran 75 yards for a score. Now, Miami led 20-6 at halftime before Louisville scored twice and a wild third to get within seven. 
The Hurricanes answered both TDs on their next snap against an out-of-place defense, with Knighton wide open for his catch that made it 34-20. Knighton also had a three-yard TD run in the first half after King threw a 17-yard scoring pass to Will Mallory. So Kyle and I both got the points there. So after this week, Beach, Kyle is now tied with you. Or you oh, now tied, tied, with you, tied with Kyle at 6 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And my percentage has gotten better. And I'm at 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, some people like to cheat. Yeah. So, Cheaters got to cheat. Haters got to hate. So there's still no more uh, Pac-12 teams in the polls. It's funny. I was looking at the poll numbers earlier, and it's just funny because, like, Clemson's on top of the, both the AP and the college poll, 2-0. Alabama is number two in both polls. They haven't played a game. Oklahoma's number three in both polls. They're 1-0. Georgia, Georgia, Florida, and LSU are all next in, in the polls in different orders. They haven't played a game yet. Notre Dame is seventh in both at two and zero. Auburn hasn't played a game yet. Texas, it's just it's a mess. Although Ohio State has jumped back in to the coaches poll and is now ranked tenth, so they went from not ranked last week to tenth. Well, they had a good performance. Yeah, well, the coaches poll has put Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota back into their poll. So it's just a mess. Complete, complete mess. Anyways, so that's where we're at. We'll get some more picks going here in a little bit. But first up, it is time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week, I like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beej, we do have an actual jackass award to give out. We got a good one? Yep. Do so, tell. So, Beach, on Friday, Colorado Director of Football Operations, Brian McGinnis, was issued a ticket for a 100-player hike on a Colorado mountain trail, Boulder officials told the Boulder Daily Camera. Now, McGinnis was ticketed for violating a public health order and failure to obtain a large group permit which was needed to have more than 24 people to gather. Park rangers told the newspaper that 108 people were in the Buffalo's group Thursday and that many were not wearing masks or social distancing from others on the trail. Colorado Athletic Director Rick George noted in a statement that players involved had tested negative COVID-19, but also noted the team's error. He said, quote, we acknowledge that a lapse in judgment and apologize for our football team partaking in a group activity like this on public open space amid the current COVID-19 climate. We share in the community's concern and anxiety about the recent spike in COVID-19 cases, and we do not tolerate actions that are contrary to public health orders. We will address this with our football program and continue to educate our coaches, staff, and student athletes about the importance of complying with public health orders, including wearing masks, and physical distancing at all times in public. I, I, I love when you read these things and you can just absolutely tell that they were written by your PR person and it's a blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm just, I'm so done with all the PR BS that comes out of anything anymore. Oh, we got caught, so here's our excuse. And we will not let this happen again. Of course you won't. By the time this crap goes around, COVID will be gone, you freaking stupid jackasses. Yep. Anyway, go on. Well, so in a statement to the Daily Camera, Boulder officials said they would prefer to prioritize education over citations, but, quote, law enforcement officers will issue citations for especially egregious behaviors like what occurred during this recent hike. Totally egregious walk hiking. Because they're totally hiking egregious. outside. Because you know how many things they found? How many cases worldwide have spread outside? How many? There's only one that they can kind of figure, and it was in China, and it was like two guys literally standing basically eye to eye with each other. Mm -hmm. Basically talking to each other's face. But outside, football players who are tested all the time together. Now, Beach, I would like to also add, and this is just kind of the cherry on top of that. I'd I'd tell I'd give him the hundred bucks and I'd get tell me so, you, can, you know where you can put this Saturday at noon, Beach. 
the Party for mm-hmm. Socialism and Liberation, which go round off that square peg. Yep. The Party for Socialism and Liberation protested outside the Colorado State Capitol on the grounds. Several hundred people close together. They get fined. They were calling for justice for the people arrested in connection to various protests in June and July. And no, nobody was fined. Well, that seems kind of um, selective. And I just it just shows you how stupid this is. You're given you're given a citation to a football team who's basically been together the whole freaking time. They're getting tested all the time. Yep. And, and this is what you choose to do. Picking battles. Yep. So to the jackass officials that decided to hand out a chicken shit ticket, that's just ridiculous. You get this week's. Jackass of the week award. Do, do, do you think they wanted to, or do you think somebody saw them and recorded them? I don't I care. Get, uh, anyway, I, I get, if it wasn't them. Yeah, but you still, you got the little freaking Nazis. I remember when they freaking passed the stupid straw bill in this state and the little Nazi down there in Eugene reported some fast food restaurant for handing him a straw. Oh, Seriously. Yeah. And they, and they reported them. Seriously. You have nothing better to do with your life than to report some fast food restaurant for accidentally giving you a straw that you did not desire. Yeah. Really? And, and this is the same thing. They're probably walking on a trail. County Mountie's probably walking around somewhere, too. And and then you got some little bitch boy going, look at them, look at them. You got to report them. Just freaking people need a cock punch. I know. I just, I didn't know. I I, I hate what this quote unquote pandemic has done. Well, and we've just made the, a bunch of narcs. I was going to say, it's just a narking society anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I, I stand by the fact that, you know, back in the 80s hate- when we were growing up, we, we were, you're proud to be an American. Why were we Americans? Because we weren't freaking hammered down with so many laws and, 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 and removals of freedom, right? Like the Russians were poor Soviets there. They, they all looked unhappy and they all broke laws every day just to survive because there's too many damn laws. And you look at what we deal with now and it's the same damn BS. So kind of agree. but yeah. on that note, beach, it is now time to move to our musical interlude and with this year's or this season's theme being alcohol, I've got a little blast from the past coming. Okay. Now, this song was originally written and recorded by Cindy Jordan in 1982. Okay. But that's not Do the we one know we're, Cindy? No, Do that's we not the one we're gonna, that was not the one we're going to talk about. It was also okay. released as a single by American country music artist Shelley West in 1983 to commercial success. Now, before she had gone solo, she was uh, paired as a duet with David Frizzle for three years. Captain and Tennille? No, that's that's that. His name was like something Dragon, and her name was something Tennille. Oh, okay. okay. Now, um, so Shelley West was uh, paired with David Frizzle. Now, West. The, fr- the, sh- the Frizzle. The Frizzle. The, the, I feel like. Yeah. So Shelly West hit number one on the country charts in 1981 with David Frizzell as a duet with the song, You're the Reason God Made Oklahoma. Oh, I like that song. But now this song You're in 19... 19- You're the reason God made Oklahoma. Correct. But now she'd gone solo in 1983, and this song provided a sales boost for a certain alcohol company and brought even more success to Shelly West. The song was released on her first solo album, West by West. Do you know what song I'm kind of talking about? I don't. The title of the song is actually the name of an alcohol company. Uh, Jose Cuervo? Correct. So here's I'll be doggone. I had no idea that that was the same gal. Yeah. So here is, for those of you who have never heard it, I, I can remember this when listening when we were kids. Um, Mom liked this song. It's a great song. Yeah, it's a great song. And so here is... Jose Cuervo by Shelley West. Well, it's Sunday morning and the sun is shining in my eye that is opened and my head is spinning was the life of the party. I can't stop grinning. I had too much. 
much tequila last night Jose Cuervo, you are a friend of mine I like to drink you with a little salt and lime Did I kiss all the cowboys? Did I shoot out the lights? Did I dance on the bar? Did I start a fight? friend of mine yep. i like to drink you with a little salt and lime yeah it's a good one so anyways i just remember that song we were kids and we we're talking about alcohol and that one just had to get played that's a good call you know i like how we're taking it back a little bit you know yep. we're not playing like stuff like you know we're kind of uh, jumping all over the place yeah yeah mm-hmm. a couple decades here you know okay i'm, I'm gonna have to that after that i'm gonna have to work hard for next week yeah there you go all right, Beach, it is now time for our week four preview in the NCAA. Now, before okay. we get into this games, Kyle emailed me, and I think maybe you were in on the on the thread too. I didn't he, even look at it though. Well, he uh, was talking about the Scorpions rock you like a hurricane. Remember we talked about last week? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So he looked up some German terms, and Einen Kaiterhaben is German for to have a male cat, which in German also means to have a hangover. Remember we were talking about the pet, uh, pet and my cat? Yeah. So that was one thing. We didn't know if it was sexual or something else. Well, and so that's one thing he thought it could be. And he also said the scorpions are Germans, which we know. So maybe he is saying he has a bad hangover, so he's ready to start partying again, which mm-hmm. that's, that's a good thing. And then well, Kyle, rocking like a hurricane makes sense. Yeah. And then he also reread the lyrics, and in it he's saying that the, the singer is the wolf and the girl in his bed is the cat. So it's totally about the JJ and sexy time. Gotcha. It's that we kind of talked about too. So mm-hmm. it still it still feels weird when he's petting his kitty and yeah, just sounds odd. So, anyways, mm-hmm. thanks for that, Kyle. But I still hate you. Okay, so I've got the next games, and I sent them to you, but you probably didn't read them. I'm busy, Billy. Jeez, so I'm busy. we'll just we'll just get going. All right. So, first up, Beach, we've got number 23, Kentucky, at number 8, Auburn. Um, that could be a good game. Hmm. But it's at Auburn. That's what I said. Yeah. And home field advantage because, I mean, the crowd at Auburn is just going to be insane. <laughs> the 12,000 like... people they have in the stands. <laughs> Um, let's go with Auburn. I too am taking Auburn, and so is Kyle. Up next, Beach, number fourteen, University of Central Florida at East Carolina. Um, let's do Florida. 
I too am taking Central Florida, and so is Kyle. Mm. Next up, number 18, Louisville, at number 25, Pitt. I'm going to take Pitt because Louisville effed me over last week. Okay. Kyle, too, has taken Pitt. I'm going to take Louisville, although I like Pitt's coach. But his name ain't Doc Holliday. No, it's not. Okay, up next, Beach. Mississippi State at number well, six. R- I wasn't thinking of that. Well, Johnny Ringo. <laughs> well, Johnny Ringo, you look like someone just walked over your grave. <laughs> Mississippi State at number six, LSU. Um, LSU. I'm not quite sure if that was a statement or a question, but we we'll go with it. I am too. I'm taking LSU. And Kyle says, LSU, go Tigers in an Ed Ogeron voice, which would be like this. Go Tiger! Go Tiger. Go Tiger. He doesn't say the <laughs> S on the end. I got that. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Jess loves it during the season because my throat, you know, I destroy my voice. That's why I walk uh-huh. around like this all the time. And she calls me, she calls me Ed. She's like, okay, Ed. She just loves his voice. You, you, you know, I'm driving home tonight from work. Had a long day. Um, but I'm driving home. The sun's going down. You got that. I think tomorrow's the first day of fall, I think, is, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, that seems right. Yep. First day of fall tomorrow. So anyway, I'm driving home. I'm looking at the sky. See the sun going down. And it's just, it looks like football season. And I'm thinking, this freaking sucks ass. We're dang near to the end of September. We haven't gotten to watch a single football game at Reese or, or away, for that matter. Not a single tailgater. I'm just, the whole world, I mean, sometimes you wonder if life's even worth living anymore. Hmm, I agree with you. Next up, Beach. Two more games. Duke at Virginia. Oh... Oh, hmm. Duke's known for basketball, but not for football. Let's go with Virginia. I, too, am taking Virginia, and so is Kyle. I like Mac Brown, Duke's coach, though. And last up, Beach, number two, Alabama at Missouri. And Missouri's not even ranked? No. But it's at Missouri, right. home field advantage. Mm. How many people in that team? Like 750? Probably. You know, I got nothing to lose. Let's let's take Missouri. Wow, I gotta go change it. I already written you down as Bama. No, I'm I'm like, you know what? I think they got I I, I think home field advantage, those seven hundred and fifty people, they're gonna be screaming like hell. I think Bama's going to overlook the competition because they're like, don't even care anymore. Okay. Wow. Let's go for it. Let's see what happens. Well, Kyle and I are taking Bama. All right. All right. There you go. Roll tide. (laughs) Roll tide. All right, Beach. Well, that's all I've got for show number 143 of Illegal Participation. You got anything else to add? Um, I don't think so. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening are, to. Sh- are, are, are we still planning? Are we still roughly planning a tailgater for next month? Kind of. We'll have to start firming things up here in the next week or two. Okay. I'm kind of waiting right. to see what the Pac-12 does. Okay. So, then we'll kind of start seeing how it goes. I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 143 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion or ask a question, irontailgatergmail.com, irontailgator on Twitter, irontailgator on Facebook. Remember to listen and subscribe to whatever your favorite podcatcher is. Please leave a rating and review. Beach. Billy. It's good talking to you every week. It's pretty awesome. I enjoy it. Hopefully everybody else enjoys our diatribes and ramblings and digressions. And our great musical choices. There we go. And until next week, here's a great big Go Beeves.
Squeege. Good thing we do this crap on Skype and not on uh, WeChat. Otherwise, we might be getting uh, canceled by the Trump admin. Yeah, but, be- because... Uh, but, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't want the Chinese to listen to our conversations anyway. Oh, I know. They'd probably use that crap against us, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. See, and we when they take over recording. the uh, when they take over the country, we'll be the first ones to go. It's the twenty first day of September. Do 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 do. I don't feel very prepared tonight, but I'm here tonight. Tonight. What's that? By New Kids on the Block. Tonight. 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 Tonight, with old John hanging tough. Go in KOTB. All right. So, what found found an interesting documentary on Prime? Do you watch much Prime? Um, every once in a while. Why? What's up? New York World's Fair, nineteen sixty four. Okay. It's a, uh, it's like a movie that they put together, mm-hmm. which gives you the whole tour of the fair. Oh, really? Through the eyes of like, there's like these two horny dudes that are chasing these two cute gals. Then there's these two teachers that are walking around. There's this whole Cub Scout troop walking around or whatever you call it. And it's a, it's a, it's a documentary. Uh, kind of a, kind of a promotional video kind of telling you about the fair. So they they kind of touch on certain attractions. So you, they you at one point they show the elevators that go up into the the spaceship looking things from Men in Black. Um, they go by and they show the and and a tribute to the children of the world and they show the Tower of the Four Winds and collection of vintage films documenting the 1964 World's Fair. It's actually not so far. It's not a really a collection of films. It's this is actually like one film all put together. But this I'm this is only what about, it says. 14 minutes in, yeah, I'm only 14 minutes into it. So oh, a 54-minute documentary. Film. It says, yeah, it a collection of film. vintage films documenting mm-hmm. the 1964 World's Fair. Jess and I will watch that. Yeah, well, I was going to say it's uh, – uh, at this point, I'm only into one film. But it it feels very much like a cheesy Disneyland uh, movie. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. In a cheesy in a good way. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so right now I'm in the – in the Chinese country and they're drinking tea and they say it's almost like a religious experience. It's uh. funny how small our world has become since the 1960s. You know, uh, how well, you can Japan... go almost anywhere. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, people don't travel a lot, but the ability to see and experience other cultures is so much uh, closer than it ever has been in, in, in the past. Mm-hmm. So, and you really can see the inspiration for Epcot in the 64 world's fair. And, you know, oh, yeah. we think in our eyes, how long ago 64 was because of before our, our birth. But when you think of it in, in times, you're like one, well, shoot in 1964, Disney was at the fair and in 71, they opened up Disney world. That wasn't that big of a gap, no. you know, six years, especially and considering the, and the world's fair went on to what? 65 or even yeah. in early 66, especially considering everything they had to do in Florida before they opened up. Oh, Absolutely. And, and then, so when you think of the 1982, you know, that was only, what, 18 years difference? Mm-hmm. And you think, well, you know, they were, they, they could, you could see the inspiration. Mm-hmm. So, and I think there were a lot of inspiration from the, uh, the, uh, what was the fair that was up in Canada? The Toronto? That was Toronto, yeah. Actually, yeah, that was hugely influential. Actually, bits of the, uh, of the Canada film today come from, actually, it was in Montreal, wasn't it? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. That's why they were the Montreal Expos. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, some of the film that's in the Canada film today, some of the clips are still mm-hmm. from that film from the Montreal Expo. Really? Yeah, because Disney made that film. Montreal really? Montreal Expo Disney film. So they made a 360 degree film for the Expo, and that's what they recycled to use. Correct. Canada huh? 67. The Disney film from the Montreal World's Fair. In 67? Yeah, it was in 67. So the the World's Expo was right just right after the World's Fair. Well, but that World's Fair wasn't an official World's Fair. The New York one wasn't? Correct. 
it wasn't an official World's Fair because it went for two years. Oh, and the World's Fair is only supposed to go one year? Yeah, and let me see here. That's right. They made in weird-ass rules yeah, for World's Fairs to qualify. It was conceived by a group of New York businessmen, and it was Robert Moses. Yeah, they made up a bunch of weird-ass rules. Let me see. So... To ensure profits to complete the park, fair organizers knew they would have to maximize receipts. An estimated attendance of 70 million people would be needed to turn a profit. And for an audience that large, the fair would need to be held for two years. The World's Fair Corporation also decided to change site rental fee, charge site rental fees to all exhibitors who, fit, who wished to construct pavilions on the, on the grounds. The decision caused the fair to come into conflict with the Bureau of International Expositions as the international body headquartered in Paris that sanctions world fairs. BIE rules stated that an international exposition could run for one six-month period only and no rent could be charged to exhibitors. In addition, the rules allowed only one exposition in any given country within a 10-year period. And the Seattle's World's Fair had already been sanctioned for 1962. The United States was not a member of the Bureau of International Expositions at the time, but fair organizers understood the approval by the BIE would ensure that its nearly 40 member na nations would participate in the fair. Robert Moses, undaunted by the rules, journeyed to Paris to seek official approval for the New York fair. When the BIE balked at New York's bid, Moses, used to having his way in New York, angered the BIE delegates by taking his case to the press, publicly stating his disdain for the BIE and its rules. They retaliated. Made, like, made, made him look like asses. Yeah. They retaliated by formally requesting its member nations not participate in the New York's fair. The 64-65 New York World's Fair is the only significant World's Fair since the formation of the BIE to be held without its endorsement. And it probably and it made money, I'm assuming. Um, I don't think it made money, but I don't think it lost as much. Let me see. Doesn't say. Um, uh, the fair ended in controversy over allegations of financial mismanagement. The fair corporation had taken millions of dollars in advanced ticket sales for both 64 and 65 seasons. However, the receipts of these sales were booked entirely against the first season. This made it appear that the fair had plenty of operating cash when, in fact, it was borrowing from the second season's gate to pay the bills. Before and during the 64 season, the fair spent much more money despite attendance that was below expectations. By the end of the 64 season, Moses and the press began to realize that they would not have, there would not be enough money to pay the bills and the fair teetered on bankruptcy. In 65, a group of bankers and politicians asked showman Billy Rose to take over the fair, which he declined, saying, I'd rather be hit by a baseball bat. While the 3940 New York World's Fair returned 40 cents on the dollar to bond investors, the 6465 fair returned only 19.2 cents. That's not wow. good. No. For every dollar you invest, you get 40 cents. That wasn't a good investment. No, that's not a good investment. Well, I don't think they've ever been good investments. So no. people put the money in. I don't know they, what they were hoping well, and for. And they, they really, the last one done in the Western Hemisphere was um, Expo 86. How'd that one do? Um, I think it did okay. I don't know. I don't want to keep looking all this up. Okay. Well, we got it. My phone only has like 15% charge in it, too. Oh, so, so we need to get moving here. Yeah, we do. But anyway, it's an, it's an interesting show, so I highly recommend the show. I'll have to watch it. Yeah. The mid-century modern architecture in 64 was just oh, yeah. phenomenal. Uh, we've got a, D a DVD, if you ever want to borrow. It's called After the Fair. Mm -hmm. And it's about all the buildings that were left after the fair. And not, they, they, not all of them stayed on the fair site. They moved actually some of the buildings? Some of the buildings moved. And this well, guy they, went out and found them. And one of them, he went and found it and literally like a week later burned down. Wow. Yeah. But anyways. So if you ever want to burn, let me know. The, well, the experimental stuff they were showing, they are showing like this, uh, these people sit down and then the, the, the audience actually moves up to watch the show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's like a floating theater. I mean, the architecture in this place was just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. All right, ready to go? Mm -hmm. Welcome to Illegal Participation. You know, every time you do that, I'm literally just about ready to, ready to talk.
Such a dick. <laughs> I'm your host, and the big gold... Now, now West <laughs> was... Uh, uh, her is the daughter of country music singer Dottie West. Okay. Um, and she had this... Uh, she um, hit number one on the country charts with West's um, second and last number one. So she. So, Shut it up, Billy. So, you can do this. You can do it. I'm. I'm. I'm rooting for you. 